I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today on Two Black Guys with Good Credit, we dug into the crates for a classic episode. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. I'm Sean, your host. And today we are discussing credit or your life. That's right, credit or your life. I know we've discussed credit in the past, but we think it's critical. Your your life could be on life support if you're not understanding the rules of engagement when it comes to credit. So today it's credit or your life. Let's get it popping. Brent, our first show was about credit, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our, we did another show about credit credit repair fact or fake news, but you felt it was very important that we bring back the topic of credit. Now, why do you think it is important, my brother? Well, first of all, good day to the world out there. Sean, without credit, you have no life. It's like playing a game of Russian roulette and one wrong move and bam, game over. Okay, there you have it. It's bam, it's game over without credit. Brand, you said it. Matt, take us to commercial. Bam! Thank you, Sean. This sponsorship break is brought to you by Clean. Clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com. Hey, I'm Sean Linda. And I'm Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. And we're from the podcast Two Black Guys with Good Credit. And by popular demand, we are bringing you 10 free financial literacy workshops. Did you say free? I said free, Sean. Well, if the lady with the facts says it's free, then it's free. That's a fact. Every Wednesday from 6 to 8 in Brooklyn. What day is it? When is it starting, Dion? October 17th to December 19th. Just before the holidays. That's right. So don't waste any time. RSVP at getfinanciallyclean.splashthat.com. We're going to be teaching you how to leverage credit. Graduate with minimal debt. Become a landlord. Transition from consumer to supplier. Make a dollar work three times harder. And overall, build generational wealth. That's right, people. So once again, RSVP at getfinanciallyclean.splashthat.com. See you there, or as they say in the 80s, be square. Oh, Sean. (laughs) Peace, love, and (laughs) finance. Welcome back. It's Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious. And as we always start off with our show, the lovely Dion, the lady with the facts... Please give us a little something. Well, I will give you a little something, a little different this week. Um, An excerpt from a phenomenal book. It's called Your Score by Anthony Davenport. I mean, credit or your life. I thought this was quite fitting. He says, almost nobody understands how the world of consumer credit really works. It's an industry that touches literally every part of a person's life, from their job to their home to their money. 
but the rules of its game are intentionally kept secret from everyday people. Wow, powerful stuff, man. Well, do I have something in store for you listeners? Mats, give us the horn. Guess what? I have live with us right now the author of that great book, Your Score, Mr. Anthony Davenport. Anthony, say something to the people. Thanks so much for having me. It's an awesome pleasure to be here. Good to have you, Anthony. This is a treat. Well, I'd just like to say great brothers think alike because Anthony and I live just on the same exact block. I won't tell you where because we don't want you rushing on our block, but we live on the same exact (laughs) block, rock stone away from one another, and that's how funny life can be. But back to the book, Anthony. I mean, I read the book. I thought it was great. Um, what, What inspired you to write this book? You know, so... My background is I was a banker for about 10 years, and uh, I learned that people would come to me and say, I'm going to apply for credit, I want to get a mortgage, I want to get a home, and they'd have no idea what their credit looked like. They would just be like crossing their fingers as I'm pulling the credit to see what it looked like, and I figured that's no way to go through life, right? So then I learned that if you could tweak credit just a little bit, it can make a profound difference in terms of whether you qualify for a loan at all or whether you qualify for the loan but you pay an extra couple hundred dollars more a month. So I got into helping people understand their credit and then when the real estate crash happened and I lost my shirt in that, Mm -hmm. I realized that there were going to be more people going through the same type of situation. I wanted to help people get through it and then as I started doing seminars to different people to teach them about it, I was amazed at how people really had no idea about what goes into credit. They would just assume, if I pay my bills on time, my credit must be good, and nothing could be further from the truth. Well, it seems like you're a really smart business guy, because you found a niche, you found an opportunity after the crash, and you brought in your skill set. Well, first of all, Heshon, hold it, hold it. Well, Anthony, I don't live in Brooklyn, but I got some beef with you. Not Biggie and Tupac beef, but... What'd you say, Biggie and Tupac? Hold on, stop. Biggie and Tupac beef, dude. You live in Toronto. You better say something like Drake and Drake, like Drake and Justin Bieber. Bieber you're not allowed to say that, man. Go ahead, but you're just not. No, you broke the rules. You're not allowed to say that, dude. Sean, you're getting all in my feelings right now, and I'm not liking it. <laughs> so, let me ask you a question. So. Anthony, where the hell was this book when I was getting out of university with a student loan and I was dead broke and I went through the problems that a lot of us went through getting out of school? Well, that's really the reason why I wrote it is because there were no rules to like how to get back on your feet. And I learned it the hard way because um, when I lost, you know, all of my money and the real estate crash and whatnot, there were no books or resources to help me rebuild my credit. And I actually dedicated an entire chapter in the book on recovering from disaster, you know, which includes like a bankruptcy, foreclosure, a business failure, uh, when people get divorced that usually just shakfoos their credit, you know. So, um, you know, we really wanted to give a lot of attention to that because I felt like that's an issue that a lot of people go through and they just never learn how to actually recover from it. It's crazy. And we're, I mean, Americans are really being crippled by this. Uh, In your book, um, you state that in 2016, Americans collectively carried $750 billion in credit card debt alone. Um, It was $1. trillion in school loan debt, $1 trillion in auto debt, um, $8.4 trillion in mortgage debt. That's actually saying that school loans are now the number one consumer form of consumer debt outside of mortgages. Oh, yeah. I mean, how did we get here? And And I'll tell you something that's even more depressing about that. They've now started changing laws so that... If you go into retirement and you still own student loan debt, they can now start to garnish your Social Security check because they're expecting that a large number of people are going to go into retirement at 65 and still owe student loan debt or their co-signers on student loan debt for people that can't pay. 
that's just crazy times we're living in now. That the, that's how big the student loans are. That it's like a mortgage that you. It's, it's a hustle. It's a. <laughs> it's a hustle. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's worse. It's worse than a mortgage because at least you can sell the house and pay off the mortgage at right. some point in time. But yeah, <laughs> no, you can hang <laughs> a degree on the wall, but that's about it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's supposed to be your return on your education. However, yeah, you you can't once you have one, you can't you can't shake that. You're taking it to your grave. Yeah, I know you just mentioned your bankruptcy, and I thought that was very open for you to even mention that in your book as well. That's one of the parts I enjoyed about your book um and you're able to restart and obviously bounce back so you know i think that's something that i know our listeners would like to hear like how did you bounce back you know if you want to like high level about how the bankruptcy and how it happened so forth it'd be great yeah yeah so i was the type of person that had an immaculate fico score i always paid all my bills on time if not early and when the real estate crash happened i had a lot of savings built up and I had a nice home. I actually owned three different places. Um, and then I had to one day go to my wife when she was eight months pregnant with our first wow. son wow. and say, honey, we can't afford our home anymore. We got to move. And we need to file bankruptcy because we burned through all our savings trying to keep afloat, trying to make all our bills and things like that. And um, I didn't think I was ever going to be in that type of situation. And I remember my mother-in-law said to me, what is your plan? What are you going to do? In other words, man up. <laughs> Basically, right? She was like, listen. <laughs> so, That's my dog. Not, not what you're going to do. What she said. Right? So I said, let me tell you what my plan is. My plan is that I'm in the first wave going through this. There's going to be a lot of other people that are going to go through this exact situation. Right. I'm going to build a business that is gonna help them out and three months after the bankruptcy was discharged i started my company wow and that's you know for everybody that's listening that's really it's all about the outlook and the attitude you have on things and i honestly believe i don't believe in negative situations i just believe in lessons and really it was a lesson and how am i gonna hustle this at the end of the day the brooklyn came out how am i gonna hustle make this work for me and he followed a trend everybody now is gonna be filing for bankruptcy they're gonna need some kind of assistance and hence spawned this beautiful business. I think that's an amazing story that how you did it. And you had to go through this to be able to understand. And now when you speak to your clients or obviously you can relate to them and understand you. It's more, what's the word, empathy or sympathy? It's one of the two. I think you can show empathy. It's a little empathy. bit of both. Empathy, yeah. sir. <laughs> it's a little bit of both because I understand where they've been. You understand where they've been. That's a great story. Well, listen, Anthony, you, you just mentioned you owned three homes. And I'm trying to figure out in my head okay you own three homes were they invest were you investing in homes in terms of rentals were you trying to flip like how do you get caught up right so i lived in one and then i rented out two but beyond that rental income i was counting on my income being a mortgage banker and getting loans for people but that literally stopped overnight like banks Uh, banks started like just plummeting they were going out of business left and right Nobody was giving loans. The banks that were left were basically saying, we're not giving loans anymore. Forget it for a while. So my income went to like a tenth of what it was before. And then I I had a lot of savings, as I mentioned. So I was able to hold on for a lot longer than most people. But eventually the gig was up. I was out of cash. I had to file bankruptcy. My credit took a massive beating. But I knew how to rebuild because I'd been kind of helping people on the side do that. I'd learned a lot about credit. Yeah. So three months after the BK, I had a 640 mid FICO score, which is almost average. Wow. Three months after the bankruptcy. That's what I tell people all the time. Like, I'm not telling, encouraging people to file for bankruptcy, but sometimes being in that struggle for years is more stress than just filing the bankruptcy and getting that restart. And I know you promoted that throughout your book a lot. Well, it's a tool, and, and if, you, if you need to go that way, you should, I should have done it earlier, frankly. Correct. Yeah, I think a lot of people look at, unfortunately, look at bankruptcy as a scarlet letter, right? They have this uh, shame to it instead of thinking that it is, as Sean just said, it's a reset. It lets you, 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 you basically get in a do-over. Yeah, I always remember when I was a child, I always said every, six, every millionaire has filed bankruptcy at least once in life. I remember saying, I don't know if it's a true stat, but it, it, always, it always stayed in my mind. At least I'm, I'm sitting beside one right now, so I guess it, <laughs> there's truth behind it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I got to say, like back when I was going through this and telling my wife and all that stuff, I wasn't thinking like, oh, well, someday I'll write a book and then Oprah will include an excerpt of it. So you don't see that part coming. I but, like you know, <laughs> but, you know, but, uh, you know, on the real, like, you know, we're talking about like the far extreme of people absolutely going bankrupt. But 
in reality, you know, my, my team did the numbers and we figured out that the average American doing average things with the average credit, talking about the average home, all that sort of stuff, they are going to spend more than a half a million dollars extra in interest over their lifetime than someone that has an A plus credit score. And I'm talking about like we looked at these numbers as in Joe Blow, who lives in Salt Lake City, is the exact mm-hmm. numbers that we figured out. Not someone who lives in Brooklyn or not someone who lives in Toronto. Um, yeah. we, we talked about like someone that lives in just the real America, right? Mm-hmm. So they're paying that much more interest. Everybody's paying more. And that's because we just don't know the rules of the game. It's true. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, you know what, Anthony? Interesting that you just said this, Anthony, because like you, I actually have a background in credit also. I was actually one of those guys uh, coming up with the mortgage products and selling it to the brokers <laughs> here in Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And we didn't get as hit. We didn't get hit as bad as uh, you guys got hit down there in the U.S. But uh, what, has, what interested me is when Sean asked me to do the show, the one thing I realized with credit is not an American thing. It's not a Canadian thing. The whole credit problem we're seeing right now, and even we saw back then, it's a worldwide thing. Oh, yeah. There's debt being accumulated all over the world at higher levels than anyone's ever seen. And even in England, they're complaining about the amount of student loan debt, the amount of housing debt that they have. Uh, they're not as big in the credit cards as us, but for them, they're at a higher level than they've been before. Well, I, again, you were dropping some serious gems in your book. Um, to a fact lady, I was, you know, I was getting goosebumps. Um, but, <laughs> um, but you were kind of giving us a lay of the land um, from like 1970, where we were when it came to credit cards. 51% of Americans reported having a credit card. Average balance, it hovered around $900. Then you fast forward to 2014 and the percentage shoots up to 71% of Americans and $8,000 average balance on credit card. My jaw dropped. Yeah, and now keep in mind that back in the day, they basically would say, if you want to borrow money and you got a credit card, here's your interest rate. Now they're using what they call risk-based pricing. So every 20 points, they're putting you in a different bucket for a different interest rate. And that can vary month to month. Mm-hmm. So you get you get mm-hmm. caught in this trap. So it's not only that you, instead of owing $900, you owe $8,000, which now that number is much higher. The average household has a lot more than, than, uh, than $9,000 in credit card debt now. So, and we have debt on different ways. Like we, a lot of people didn't have student loans back then. Uh, fewer people had car loans. They would pay mm-hmm. things cash. Mm-hmm. So now we're doing more with credit and it's hurting us more because... They're using the credit scores to now hurt and penalize you. Absolutely. Mr. FICO, Fair Isaac. (laughs) You know, I want to just go a little bit, switch topics, switch gears a little, because the fun part, I know there's always a misconception with TV and celebrities that we think that if you're wealthy, you have good credit. And I believe that's a total misconception. Agree? Well, over 50% of my clients are entertainers and athletes, people that you see on TV all the time. Any stories? Any stories? Let's get the juicy stuff. Let's get the juicy stuff. Let's get the juicy stuff. In your book, you mentioned an uh, individual, and this stood right out to me, who was a millionaire, but because of a gas card, could not get a good mortgage rate. Anyone I know? No, I'll tell, I'll tell you one story, right? <laughs> Without saying names, but I had someone hit me up and say, listen, um, I can't get a loan for a measly few million dollars for a home. I need you to look at my credit and tell me why. So I looked at this credit and I said, you have just beneath a 700 FICO score, which is an average FICO score. Right. But because he was looking to borrow millions of dollars... The bank would say, we won't even talk to you. Like, you don't get any sort of rate. You had up to 700 and that's that. So I looked at his credit, and this guy who, he also is one of the co-owners of a major league baseball team. One that, trust me, you definitely know about. Even in Canada, you guys know about these guys, right? Oh, wow. So. <laughs> well, we got, well, we got uh, the no, Blue you got, Jays. You got a team so up there, got, too. You got, you got a team up there, too. It is not that one. But anyhow, this guy owned a major league baseball team. He's worth many millions of dollars. He's a centimillionaire. He couldn't get a loan. And when I looked at his credit, it was because he had 
a balance of $500 on a BP gas credit card that he had for his driver. And the limit was $500. So $500 limit, $500 balance was hurting his credit to the point where he couldn't qualify at all. So you don't think the wealthy don't get a, don't get a, like a black, a, a, an exception to the rule or anything like that? You think the rules are all the same regardless of your income? No, because you got to remember that the whole system exists to catch us all in this trap and squeeze us for as much money as possible. So in the past, they could have said, you know what? You have millions of dollars in the bank, so therefore you're likely to pay back a loan for millions. Now they can say, you know what? You're a higher risk. So you have a 701 FICO score. We're going to let you in the door, but you are going to pay more for your home, your loan itself. And it could be on a loan that size, we're talking hundreds, maybe a thousand dollars a month different. You got to pay more for your home insurance. You got to pay more for everything surrounding that purchase because you don't have the perfect FICO score, the perfect credit profile. So you're saying, which is really important what you're saying is that you know, the banks are looking at it as an, at an advantage to charge you more and to find they, not that they won't deny you, but they're like it gives them a reason to say, hey, because of this, we're going to add some money on to reduce the risk because of your situation. And I found the same thing even when I got at least a car. Like you can tell, like even though I have a great credit score, they'll always be like, let's bring it to our finance manager, and then finance manager will find some obscure thing. So even now, when I lease a car, I'm like, listen. Do not bring it to Anthony in the back there, okay? I don't care how much credit experience he has because this is what we are agreeing to pay him. Why is it going to be Anthony in the back? (laughs) (laughs) So I understand, everybody listening, it's really, if you understand what Anthony's trying to tell you, it's the hustle behind it. It's really like they're just using this as an excuse to say, hey, you got to pay more. It's a business. Exactly. And I guess what you do, which is what I think why so many people could use your service, is that you help bring up that score to give them a reason not to play extra fees at the end of the day. I call it sexing up their score a little bit, you know, you you want to make their course, their score sexy, right? So because that that difference between a 700 FICO score and a 740 is profound. 740 is considered an A plus, by the way. And the average American has Uh, about a 690. So, and, and, and just to make it very clear, someone who has a 700 FICO score defaults at the same rate as someone who has an 800 FICO score. So they don't default anymore, but there's three levels there between what interest rate someone with a 700 score gets and what someone with a 740 FICO score gets. There you have it, man. So we want, we have 740 goals. But I guess, I, I mean, this is the other thing that kind of boggled my mind. We're not checking our credit. Yeah, I know. Especially after Equifax, people weren't checking their credit. It's crazy. You were saying, I, I, there was a survey. Yeah, I see. A, there was a survey done, uh, it looks like by Consumer Federation of America. They said 32% of Americans never access their credit. And that number goes to uh, 44% for those who have not requested their report in the last year. Wow. No wonder they can pull the wool over our eyes. Well, I can honestly see why, Anthony, people need your service and you're good at what you do. And just to let our listeners know, this brother's business is bi-coastal, so you have no excuse on the West Coast or East Coast and maybe in a little in the middle. You can always find his service. And if you can't read the Credit Bible, Your Score, it's a great book. And, and it definitely will help you and lead you in the right direction. With that being said, Matt, take us to commercial so we can play some bills. Matt. This commercial break is brought to you by Canvas Malibu. Canvas Malibu is a boutique and contemporary art gallery in Malibu, California. At Canvas Malibu, it starts with art, and their curated offering of shoes, apparel, accessories, and art are a definite must-see. Canvas Malibu is located in the Malibu Country Mart or online at canvasmalibu.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Today we're talking credit or your life. And we have our surprise guest, Mr. Anthony Davenport, author Woo! of Your Score. And now, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now... What would you say are the rules of this credit game or, as we say in Brooklyn, hustle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is where they catch people and why people have an average credit score versus an amazing FICO score, which is considered a 740. Most people erroneously believe that if you pay your bills on time, you must have good credit. But that's only 35% of your FICO score. The other 65% has absolutely nothing to do with whether you pay your bills on time. Really? Yeah, let that sink in. Enlighten me. Wow, I'm letting that definitely marinate. Right, so now that 65% is what you can control the most. So sometimes you can't control whether you're going to miss a payment. If you don't have the money, it it is what it is. If you're going through a tough time, you you can't control that part, but you can control that 65%. So the next... 30%, which is the the second biggest chunk, is your credit card balances. And this is where it gets funky. It's per credit card. So you can be like Jay-Z and have a black card that has an unlimited amount. But if he's got a gas credit card with a limit of 500 bucks and it's maxed out, his score is taking a beating. Really? Yes. They do not take income, assets, fame level... Fan appreciation, whatever. So your debt to asset ratio, <laughs> so your debt to asset ratio is looked on at per card. It's looked at per card, and then it's averaged out per through the card. It's it's not averaged out. It's they they look at one single card, and if it's near the limit or above a certain percentage, it's going to have a crushing impact on you. Now that is that is definitely a misconception because. I was always under the impression that they took the total of all your cards and nope. then look at the utilization rate. Nope, they yeah, don't. Because usually, even for example, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but if you're looking for a mortgage, they take your total debt to asset ratio. Yeah, they do when you're looking for a mortgage. They're, they want to see how much your minimum payments are. Yeah, but it makes sense what Anthony's saying because if you're maxed out on one card, it's still signs of desperation. Yes. And that affects That's your score. I'm sure they look at total debt to asset, but they also look at well, how maxed out are certain cards because, you know, I have a home equity line. And that home equity line is, is really my mortgage with those funny days when Washington Mutual gave these funny mortgages. I remember that. Right. And that being, it looks to the bank that my, I've maxed out my home equity line, but it's not. It's my mortgage what's in there. So it actually lowers my score a bit because of that. So what you're saying makes absolute sense. And that's just on credit cards that, that, that impacts it. So like your, your car loan, the balance doesn't matter whether you just took it out yesterday or you took it out, you know, two years ago and it's almost paid off. Um, they, they just want to look at card by card. Revolving lines of credit then. Yes. And now there's an exception to that. So if you have like a charge card with American express and it requires you to pay the balance off in full each month. Mm-hmm. Those ones don't factor into your FICO score no matter what. They're not part of your credit score? No. They, they don't factor in at all. Really? So you could have you could have, wow, you could sure. have $10 on it. You could have $1,000 on it. It doesn't have an impact. What if you miss payments on your charge card? If you miss payments, now then it begins to hurt your, your credit. Oh. But we're only talking about the balance okay. doesn't impact Okay, it. but you owe me another 30%. You just said 30 and 365. I'm still waiting for the other part. What's right. the other part? So now 15% of it comes down to the length of credit history that you have. So if you and, and think of your your 
your credit lines like friendships, people that can vouch for you, right? Huh. So I, I had two over there. <laughs> 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 you need to look for friends. Sean, you got Sean, you had a. You saw me ten. Sean's at Sean. about a six ten right. Sean's at a six ten right now. Exactly so right. So they want to see that you've had these relationships for a long time. So if you only have you know a couple credit cards and they've only been open for a year, that negatively impacts you in a huge way because they want to see that you have a friend that can vouch for you for like eight years and say, you know what. I've known this cat a long time. He always right. does what he says he's going right. to do. Makes sense. So you got to think of it that way, right? And then uh, 10% of it comes down to a variety of credit. They want to see that you can you can uh, handle a mortgage, you can handle a car loan, you can handle a credit card, a student loan. They want to see that you can handle a variety of different types of things. So you don't want just one type of credit. And then uh, the final thing is what keeps people up at night. Inquiries, new debt. That's 10%. Mm-hmm. Now, most people are deathly afraid to have their credit pulled, but if you don't have your credit pulled, you don't know where you stand, right. and, and that's a maximum of 10%. So what about applying for those credit cards that provide you with a credit score? Because then that's like a soft inquiry versus, a, uh, it's, not a, it's not an inquiry because you can, they already are running the file, so that means it's not going to affect your score, right? If you look at, like through my credit card, American Express and, uh-huh. and MasterCard, I'm able to see my FICO score whenever I need to see it. Well, you know, a lot of people ask where can they get the real credit report because they see that these different credit cards have different scores and they want to know, like, where's the real one? So I'm going to give you a hint, Sean. Here is the website. And I didn't put this in the book. Oh, oh. this is this is the one website you can go to that you can get the same credit report with the same FICO scores that lending institutions use to uh, to give you a loan, and this there's only one website for this. It's okay, www. Dot let's go, let's go. It doesn't friggin exist. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, somebody, you actually got me. You said that in the book, <laughs> and you, you said Come that in the book, on, and you got me, even though you said it in the book. <laughs> that is so funny. And I fell no. for it. I'm waiting for this website. I get everyone that way. Is there that a way. space between the it and the doesn't, or is it one word? Yeah, it's uh, two G's and an apostrophe. <laughs> so is you gotta remember, hyphen in this this is, is this game is a hustle. Oh my do this? <laughs> and you know, with with Equifax getting hacked last year, it took over all the news, right? But what got lost in the mix is that the three credit bureaus paid fines of twenty five million dollars a piece for falsely advertising that the credit reports and scores that they're giving you are the same as lending institutions yeah. use. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's lower. The lending it's institutions not. are always lower. They're they're made up and when people call me you know, call up my firm and say, I need to fix my credit, here's my credit report from Credit Karma or here's my credit report that I got from American Express. My staff is not allowed to take a consultation and advise people based on those reports. You gotta have a real deal credit report, which you can get in a variety of different methods, as I mentioned in the book. One of them is like get get a mortgage banker uh, to, yeah. to mm-hmm. help you get access to one. And then you got to learn how to read it, which the my, my publisher was really keen on having me include an example of what a real credit report looks like. Not one of the cute and bubbly things. Right. But right. then the credit bureaus were fighting us because they were like, we really don't want you to put this example in the book. They don't want you to know. It's, it's conspiracy. all by design. So you know what mm. we did? We included it anyhow. <laughs> Back to what you were saying in the previous section is that, you know, this is how they make their money. If everybody had good credit, they wouldn't make as much money. And their money is driven off. Yeah, so it, it makes total sense. But I was pleasantly surprised by another stat in your book, um, Anthony. It was uh, it's where you broke down Americans' credit scores. Mm-hmm. And um, they're saying that actually more than 50% of consumers are falling in that 660 to 720. I was definitely pleasantly surprised. And then 20% of consumers are holding it down at 800. Right, right. Not bad or better. And then other 15% just aren't even in the game at all. Right. No yeah. Yeah. And and wow. we wanted to teach them how to get in the game because mm-hmm. if you're not in it, you're losing. And um, there are, yeah. yeah, there's a fair amount of people that have a pretty decent score. But again, decent means they're paying more money than they should. So let me ask you a question, Anthony. 
Mm-hmm. What's the difference you would say in payments from someone with a 660 to one someone with a 720? Let's say not even payments, but interest rate on average. It's massive. So something like a credit card, if you have a 740 FICO score, you're probably paying close yeah. to 10% on an interest rate for a credit card. And if you have, and then if you have, um, uh, like a six sixty score, cause that's usually the minimum to get a a credit card these days. Yeah. You're paying the maximum, which is about 2999. It's It's, massive. (laughs) And then when you're talking, when you're talking a mortgage, when you're talking a mortgage, uh, you know, at a six sixty score, you're, you're paying a heck of a lot more. Than someone with a 740 okay. score. You're, I'm talking hundreds of dollars more on the average house. Joe Blow, wow. Salt Lake City is paying hundreds of dollars more for the same house than someone with a 740 FICO score. And I really don't think a lot of people out there recognize that at all. No, they just assume my credit's good. I pay my bills on time. I checked it out on uh, Credit Sesame, and it, it's, oh, it says that I got a, a score of $1 million, So I'm feeling good I'm about rolling. this. And then they go, but how come I'm wow. paying so much money? Well, that that's why. Wow. That's why. We're not all created equal in that in that 700 range. That's crazy. Now, the other thing I thought that was very interesting that you revealed in your book was the the um the average 800 plus score holder. Yeah, what their profile looks like. You know, everybody you know that with that that lack of understanding when it comes to credit, oh, I should only have one card or or maybe two cards, but I'll never use them, you know? Mm-hmm, Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the 800 plus score holder, he's, um, he, he or she has like nine credit cards on average, which I thought was interesting. And they carry some debt. Right. So let me tell you what the ideal one looks like, because that's, it, it is crazy when you look at the average 800 FICO score, because everyone wants to get that 800. They have a profile that looks different than, than most other people. And yeah. this is something that you never learned in school. You, you, you probably weren't taught it at home because this, this hustle didn't really exist when, when we were kids growing up, so our parents would know it. Um, and it's definitely not taught by the financial institutions. They, they, don't, they don't want you to know this. So what I define as like the perfect credit profile is Talk to me. <laughs> someone that has like five to seven trade lines overall. And a trade line is anything that reports to the credit bureaus. Your cell phone bill doesn't but your mortgage would. Uh, you want to have those accounts open a minimum of two years, but the longer the better. And then on your credit card balances, you want to have the balance below 10% typically. And this is going to be 10% when they report. They only report the balance every 30 to 45 days. So just because you pay off your bill in full each month doesn't mean your credit's on point. It means that it may look good, but it depends on when they report that balance. And then they also want to see a variety of credit. They want to see that you can handle multiple different types of credit. So that's what the perfect or ideal credit profile looks like. Well, you look like you're talking about me. So I got a, I got a question for you. I'm getting a little pissed off here, okay? I do everything right, pay my bills on time. According to what my credit card statement say and so forth, and when I applied, I have over 800 credit score. And I've got offered every credit card except for one so i would love to hire you for your service if you could get me and i've even asked them i've been with this company since 2001 17 years when i call in i don't even get no prompts i go straight to an operator they're like you're one of our top tier clients i'm like well i want your top card like what is the issue here what do i need to do do you know how to make that happen? You know what card I'm talking about? You're talking about the Chase Sapphire Reserve? No. Oh, you're the, talking about the black card? Amex black card. Like, <laughs> what do I have to do for you guys? Like, I even worked at American Express. I got the credit score. I have the plan. I paid off in full. I'm like, what else do I need to do to get an offer? Everybody wants to know how to get that black card. So, yeah, I actually, uh, I've helped a lot of people get it. And... Really? Yeah, and I wrote an article about it, and what's funny is the chairman of Amex sent me an email Ken? saying, "No, no, no, Ken, Ken uh, retired uh, last year." So, uh, so the the new chairman he uh, he sent me a note and he said, "We appreciate everything you do with Amex, but please stop telling people about how to get this black card." Really? Yeah. Wow, they want to keep it so exclusive. They do. So, a, so you figured out the science behind it? Yeah, it's not much of a science. I mean, um, it's like fifty percent of it comes down to your spending and your FICO score. Like you have to have solid, 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 solid FICO scores. 
And then you also got to spend a lot of money on it on a lot of different transactions. You just can't buy a Lamborghini every month on your on your card and call it good. They want to see that you're whipping it out a lot. And this, the other 50% is what I call the marketing underwriting. So ah. they want to see that you're like a, a, what I call a titan of your industry, right? That you're someone ah. that, that um, is very recognizable. They know like, here's Sean, here's Dion. They, 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 they rock the radio show uh, thing and, and we want them to whip out this card so that people say, oh, wow, they have it. Uh, right. They want to see, yeah. you know, I was going to say Drake, but he's Canadian, so I don't know if they care about his credit too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they want to see, they want to see, okay, Jay-Z. They want to see Jay-Z whipping this card out, right? So people go, wow, there's Jay-Z and he's got the black card, you know, because he's better than Drake. But anyhow. Um, <laughs> I've seen one guy that okay, had it. Guys, and he's li- wow. And he's he's coming with some shots today, guys. Come on. My friend, owner of a couple of vitamin stores, he threw that card out. I mean, I'm like, how did he get this card? But, hey, what you're saying makes sense. So. He's probably the king of vitamins. They know that he's out there and using it a lot. And, 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 and that's it. Like, I've gotten some people the card that are ultra famous, and, and it, it should be a lock for them to get it. And I've got it for people that you've never heard of, but they're like the king of, you know, I'll just say, like, the tin roof industry. They like they make mm-hmm. more tin roofs than don't anybody else. Don't sleep on tin. Don't, don't sleep on it. Well, I think the sweet spot. I met somebody that was a supplementary card holder to someone with a black card. I'm like, that's a sweet position to be in. Oh right, right, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they get all the points and they everything go, like that. Yeah, so, exactly. but yeah, you got you got to spend a lot and you got to have the marketing. Now it's time for mailbag, Anthony. All right. Uh, we have. Kelly Smalls from Boulder, Colorado, and she has over $109,000 in debt. She wants to know, when is it time to file bankruptcy? She wants to know how to figure out when it's time to file for bankruptcy? Yeah, when do you know it's, when do you know it's time? So here's the way that I figured it out myself. When you got to separate all of your retirement assets if you got that. Don't drain your retirement account trying to make ends meet. You want to you want to you want to figure out the file bankruptcy before that, but you got to think about your income. So you have to really do a spreadsheet of how much money you bring in, and then you have to look at how much it costs for you to live. Period. The roof over your head, the car you drive, um, and and then you also separate in a different category how much it costs to service your debt. And you have to look at if you separate all that debt out like credit card debt and all that stuff, you know, a hundred grand in debt. Are you able to make ends meet? And if you're not able to make ends meet with that $109,000 in debt, you need to look at ways of reducing it. So if, like, for example, if you have $40,000 in income and you owe $109,000 in debt, that's going to take you an extremely long time to pay that off. And it might be better if you can pass the test and you have to talk to an attorney to see if you even make if you're a candidate for it. But it may be far better for you to just say, look, I'm going to push the eject button now, start rebuilding my credit, which, you know, my book tells you how to do it three months after. I mean, really, you do it three days after life is not over. And then you don't have to pay back the hundred nine thousand because if you're making forty thousand a year, it may take you. A decade or more to, to cover that 109000 where instead you could say, hit the reset button, I'm going to start saving money now, so that in 10 years I have a lot more than $109,000 and I'm not paying to the credit card companies. Makes sense. Appreciate that. So I hope, I hope that answered your question, Kelly Smalls. Well, interestingly enough, Kelly's question and what Anthony spoke about earlier on um, is actually my next question. I've noticed that divorce plays a big part in people having negative credit. So one party oh, yeah. refuses to pay the bill or sometimes both parties refuse to pay bills. However, you mentioned something in the book that really stuck out for me, and that's called forbearance. Care to explain a bit more on it? And are there any downsides to it? Well, sometimes you can do, and this is typically for student loans, where you could tell them, listen, I don't have the ability to pay you back right now. But I need a little bit of time. And, and, uh, and they, they seem to find this is going to be the most efficient way when you're talking about debt backed by the federal government, a.k.a. student loans primarily. Uh, they know that they're going to get their money from you at some point in time. And you can just say to them, look, I lost my job. Uh, I haven't started the job yet. 
I'm in a tough situation. Let me get forbearance on this loan. And they'll do that. That does not happen when you're talking about a credit card in most cases, or especially a mortgage. They're going to say, you got to pay me. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't care what happened. If she left you and walked out, I don't care. Pay me. <laughs> Take the swan song somewhere else. Right. Yeah, one thing I've never worried about, Anthony, is identity theft. You know, and in your book, you compare it to like car insurance, which which I agree. But dude, a whole chapter on identity theft. You thought it was that important to discuss? It was the the biggest chapter in my book for a reason because it is the single greatest threat that anyone faces with their credit right now. You could say I pay my bills on time. I'm knowledgeable about what makes up the ideal credit profile and whatnot. I know that stuff. But if you don't know how to protect your credit, you're in real trouble because in this day and age, identity theft is so rampant and it's so easy that I went and taught fifth graders about the need to protect their identity. And afterwards, I took them to a computer lab and I said, look, I'm going to let you pick a celebrity and I'm going to tell you the things that you would need to know to impersonate them and apply for credit in their name which is name, address, social, date of birth, mother's maiden name, high school mascot. And I timed them to see how long it would take them to find that information on someone. It took a 10-year-old girl 21 minutes to be able to find that information. <laughs> wow. We are and, not smarter than a fifth grader. Wow. <laughs> and I, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, I didn't give them access to the dark web. I wasn't like, you know, giving them anything like that. I said, you can have access to Google. And and the hardest part for them to find was the social security number, not because it was buried, but that's because they they just didn't know what a social security number looked like. So I had to write an example on the board and then they're like, oh, is this it? Yes. Scary stuff. But the and, and then the biggest issue that I find with people right now is they don't know how to really protect themselves. They assume that credit monitoring is going to do that for them. And they should know better because Equifax got hacked and we found out that they had the worst right. security in the world. Hypocrisy, that's so funny. And, I, you know, I, as, as, as much as I like to brag myself as being always on top of things and managing, I almost got got. I, well, I did oh, get got. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did get got. I, I heard about this one. Uh, till this day, I can't believe. I'm sitting at home early in the morning on my computer, you know, and I get a Facebook message from some guy telling me, like, it just fell into perfect because I was looking for money for my nonprofit to do something. This guy just came out of the blue like, hey, we can help finance a certain thing for you. And I'm like, oh, and it was from Facebook. It looked like it was a friend of mine. I'm like, how did you know? Like, this is perfect timing. And then before I realized, I'm giving this guy my social security number. <laughs> and then I started asking dude certain <laughs> questions, and he became very, like, He's diverting the answers, and I realized this guy is getting me. And man, I just first of all, Dion was there. She looked at me like, I can't believe you, Sean Linda, got caught. And I got caught. All people, but that just goes to show you. And he's still trying to go on. I got off the phone, called all my credit card companies, called everybody, gave out warnings, put flags up, this up. Then I started sending him threatening stuff like, yo, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm going to find your ass. (laughs) (laughs) You better not mess with me right now. I don't care what party. You could be in Legos, Afghan. I'm coming for you. So listen, dude, I started getting, and he was like trying to backtrack. And I was like, listen. So I, I listen, if I, listen, you can be God because it, it happened so quickly and it was so smooth. I couldn't believe it. It is definitely a long way from a Saudi Arabian prince needing to wire money and, you know, do that sort of thing. Like that's not happening anymore. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's way more sophisticated. It's phishing emails are the number one way and they will make it look exactly like an email from someone that you get emails from all the time and they study the way that they write emails. They'll send them the same way with the same lingo, uh, you know, the same slang. They, they know how to do this stuff. Wow. So they're pros at this. They're pros. And the best thing that you could do to protect yourself is what's called a security freeze. Uh, and you have to do it with each of the three credit bureaus. It's a simple 23-step process each time you want to place the freeze and unfreeze it. Again, you got to remember this is all a hustle. It's all about money. When your credit's frozen, the banks and lending institutions, they can't 
sell your data and make money. And that's how they really make their money is by selling your data. Exactly. That's what I tell people. Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, they don't give a care, damn what your credit score. They're just collecting data and passing it on. Collecting that's their, that's their game. Yeah, collecting their game. and selling. And when, you're, and when your info's frozen, you can't do that. But that's what you got to do. Well, Anthony, this is about credit or your life. So let me ask you a question and be honest. A client walks into your office and it's so bad. I mean, they're literally under emergency room table and they got no pulse. What is the first thing that you're going to do to get that pulse going again? Well, Brent, one thing you should understand is that I fix credit, not people. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't help you, brother. That's just the way it is. Um, But no. So one thing that I do is is I say you got to look at your real credit report. You got to know exactly where you stand, right? Uh, and then build a plan based on that. So one of the tips that we do is we will say to someone, look, your credit's real bad. You've got 400 FICO scores. Your credit's so bad, no one will take your cash, right? That so, almost sound like a mama joke, but anyways, <laughs> go ahead. You know, so, and we all know people like that, but I will then say to them, listen, find a friend, a relative, or a loved one, someone that has good credit, some credit cards in good standing, mm-hmm. You want to have them add you as an authorized user, and that's the exact phrase, authorized user, to okay. one of their credit cards or multiples or better. They yeah. got to ha- be in good standing, no late payments, low balances versus the limit. They should have it for at least two years or longer. They don't even have to give you the credit card. They just have to add you. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then wow. you get the benefits of that history. So it will make it look okay. like, so like Brant, if you came down, I'm, I know I'm picking on you this time, but if you, if you decided to come down from Canada, right, your, your, your Canadian credit would disappear. It would mean nothing. And you would have to start all over. And I could say, look, I'll help you out. I'll add you to my excellent cards and good standing. Now, all of a sudden it looks like you've had those cards with the same history, the same length of time that I have. And you're now a reputable human being. Is this a supplementary card or an authorized user? The same thing? No, different? different. It's it's called an authorized user. Oh, got you. But got that's you. a lot of trust. I mean, you really have to. Well, no, make you, sure you hold on to the goods. You, you are... hold on to the card. Yeah, don't oh, give them the card. That's true. That's yeah, true. So, so that's from how you get I, I meant, that. that's how you get around mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, you see, guys, this is why you You're need to smart. buy the book, Your Score, because it really drops gem. It's a Bible, and that's why I brought him on the show, because he works angles and you know finds ways to make it happen. And I think that's a gem you just dropped. Matt, drop another bomb for that one. Authorized user, and keep the card in your wallet. Don't give it out. Hey, and you're helping somebody else out doing that. I think that's a great idea. With that being said, we're going to go to commercial and pay some bills and get our authorized commercials popping. Matt, take us away. Thank you, Sean. This sponsorship break is brought to you by Clean. Clean is a financial literacy program designed to educate youth in a fun and interactive way through class lessons, workshops, and web seminars. To bring it to a school or organization near you, please visit www.financiallyclean.com. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. It's credit or your life, and I hope you guys have a pen and pad. You millennials, I hope you're just tapping away on your iPhones or whatever you use to record information nowadays because Anthony is really dropping some gems, and I'm learning a hell of a lot. Even though I read his book, I'm still learning stuff, but it starts with the book, people. It starts with the book, okay? It starts <laughs> with the book. Your score. So um, when we were on break, we, we were just giving more questions out to Anthony and there was one that I think that Brant mentioned that I think is important for our listeners to hear. So Brant, go ahead with your question. Well, it was the best question because it's coming from the Canadian here. But <laughs> what I wanted to know from you, Anthony, was wouldn't having a secured credit card where you put a thousand or two thousand dollars down be better than being on a credit card with someone else? As you just spoke so the about. Russell Simmons card. Yeah, that's that's uh, the rush card, right? The rush card. Uh, that's a great question because a lot of people ask me that. Really, the best thing you could do is to get added as an authorized user because that history is going to show a tremendous length of time, right? Uh, you know, like I said, when, when I went to college, my parents gave me a credit card and it was open before I was born. So on my credit, it looked like I had credit card before I was even born. Um, wow. So that's, that's that's a powerful thing. Where a secured that's card, the game changer. It's the yeah. history. 
That history only begins right now if it's a secured card. Well, that's so funny because my kid, you just told me when I, my kids get of age, I'm definitely going to get an authorized card mm-hmm. to build up their, mm-hmm. so they can leverage mm-hmm. off my credit. I mean, right. that's building generational yeah. wealth. I think that's a hundred percent. So everybody listen, that's a way to leverage your kids, get them right off the bat. So they don't have to start at ground zero. Right. Wow. And I'm sending my kids by uncle and I'm sending my kids by uncle Sean. we've never done that before but i just thought it was important that we share this information but let's get in now to the speed round people it's speed round ding 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 ding. so anthony this is when we're gonna shoot questions at you rapid fire and basically you'll answer yes no or a little bit more got it all right are you ready? ready let's bring it all right, Sean. The first one, Go. Anthony, your wife or husband having bad credit won't affect you if you file your taxes separately. It's a little bit more. Uh, lenders are going to use the FICO score of the lowest person to determine the interest rates and qualification. I'm looking for an 800 score wife. You better be out there. Wow. Okay. Second question, Anthony. Two, not paying out a small outstanding amount will not affect your credit rating. False. Owing a lot of money means you will be considered a higher credit risk. False. You don't need good credit to make money. False. Well, a little bit more because if you have bad credit, you have to pay more for everything, which means you have to make more money. You're late making a payment by a week. It will affect your credit score. A little bit more. If you... It doesn't impact your FICO score until you're more than 30 days past due. Okay. Uh, There is a direct link... Um, cr- that credit, bad credit will affect your insurance premium. So if you have a lower credit score, they say you'll have more accidents. True. Cash only is king. False. And Anthony, I got one question here for you, which I strongly believe in. The best time to get credit is when you don't need it. 100% true. And then snail mail is still the best way to dispute issues with your credit report. Ask a little bit more. I believe in doing written disputes as well as phone call disputes at the same time. Okay, but still old school all around. Old school is the good school. <laughs> and what, finally, Anthony, what's next for Mr. Anthony Davenport and how can people find you? What's next? Um, I started talking about doing a second book on um, oh. ha- diving really deep on how to repair your credit. Because that's a that's a tough situation to wrap your head around in terms of like how to do it the right way, all the different tactics to write uh, dispute letters when you're making phone calls. Phone calls are arguably more effective in a lot of different ways. You got to know all the best ways to do it, what to include in that. Where can people find me? Uh, RegalCredit.com is the company website. Uh, my personal website is AnthonyMDavenport.com. M is in Mary. M is in Mary. Thank you. Um, I'm based in New York most of the time. I go back to our L.A. office uh, pretty often, and we incorporated in the U.K. last year. So you can find us in any one of those three spots. Congratulations, my dear chap. We're not in in Canada yet. We're not in Canada. I was just about to say that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're allowed to come up here yet, so we'll see. (laughs) After this show, they're going to ban me. Going to get stuck in the We might put a tap. We, we might put a tariff on you. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, guys, if you want to find your score, uh, it's a bestseller on Amazon.com. Uh, you can also find it at Barnes & Noble, Google Books. I mean, he's everywhere. Um, and if you want to uh, stay in touch with us, please email your questions to tbgwgc at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review to make it easier for others to find us. Like Ruby Woo, she said this show is lit. I like listening to the show because it's hilarious and transparent. I can relate to the many topics discussed. In addition, Sean is cute as fruit. (laughs) I could say more on that, but I'm not going to say nothing. It's a family show. Ruby Woo, we thank you. We appreciate you listening. And that's my time. I'm Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. Brent? Well, my bottom line, credit, credit, credit. How do I need thee? From buying a house applying for a car loan, or even getting a new job, and even renting an apartment. You have to have credit to survive in today's world. 
So don't bury your hand, your head in the sand. Grab it by its neck. Hit it with a shoe like Cardi B and conquer it. Understand what <laughs> options you have. And most importantly, get this book. Well, Brent, you couldn't have said it better. I just first would like to thank Mr. Davenport for walking that half a block and coming on our show. I really appreciate you. You dropped some great gems. Um, like Brent said, buy the book. And my takeaway is... You know, get your credit right because it's all right. You know, get your score up because you don't want to pay those fees like Anthony says. And it comes down to the hustle. It's a hustle. And if you don't have good credit, then you're just going to be paying more than the average person. But you may still get the things you want, but you're just going to be paying a lot more. So it pays to have good credit. And if you need help, Regal.com is there for you. Anthony is personally there for you. And two black guys with good credit are there for you as well. I'm Sean Linda. Keep your money where it belongs in your damn pocket, people. See you next time in podcast land. The Two Black Guys with the Good Credit podcast is produced by Matt Smith and Arlington Forbes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head-on.